You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. came for their purification according to the law of Moses. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Hey, how good is it to gather together this morning? Uh, Let me add to the welcomes that you've already received. A particular welcome to you. If this is your first time with us, we are so glad that you're here. We hope and trust uh, that you'll get to know Jesus better as a result of being with us today. Uh, Shout out to those who are online tuning in. Thank you for joining us. Uh, My name is Dave. It is my honour to serve as the lead pastor of this church Uh, And I hope and trust that uh, today will be a day where each of us, whether we've known Jesus for a long time or whether we're new to the things of Jesus, will be built up and encouraged in Him. 
Hey, uh, a little bit of family news uh, before we dig into this Bible passage that we've just had read out. Uh, we've had a couple of um, City on a Hill weddings the last uh, couple of weeks. Last Sunday, uh, we had Nate and Sarah get married in Mullaney. Uh, and then yesterday, uh, we had James and Krista and a whole bunch of other City on a Hill people there. Uh, they got married also in Mullaney. Uh, it bucketed down rain uh, during the ceremony. And so I'm glad I didn't use an iPad, but my paper was very wet uh, by the end of it. But a glorious time to celebrate. Uh, let's continue to... Let's give them a cheer. Let's keep praying for, uh, for those that have just been married, and let's keep praying for families in general uh, across our church. Uh, while on that subject, uh, I'm not sure if on the way in you received some socks, but uh, I had a whole bunch of um, Best Dad in the Galaxy socks that were just for me, and apparently some other people took them. So if you could bring them back later on. I'd appreciate that. We can give you some uh, pink and uh, green cactus socks in their place. Hey, uh, shout out to all the dads. Let's give them one more round of applause. Some uh, more high-quality dad jokes. Uh, well done, gentlemen. Uh, but dads, we love you. We thank God for you. And we want to continue to pray that you'd be strengthened in the uh, critical role that you play in your families. Uh, quick fun fact, uh, of the 15 cards that I got from my three kids this morning, uh, one of them included the most recent memory verse from Exodus uh, that they've been learning in City Kids. And so shout out to Liv and the City Kids team. Uh, you guys do... It. Let's give them a clap. Uh, Liv and the team do a wonderful job, an incredibly important work as they help uh, and partner with dads and mums uh, to, to know Jesus and to make Jesus known uh, to the next generation. Why don't we pray and why don't we uh, ask God to work powerfully among us now. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, thank you that we can call you Father. Uh, what a gift, what a joy it is to have you as our good Father. And Father, we want to thank you for the many blessings that you have given to each and every single one of us. Thank you for life. We thank you for breath. We thank you for everything. We thank you that you're a God who speaks. We don't presume upon you for the revelation that comes from your mouth. And so we thank you for it and ask that right now as we reflect upon the word that we've heard, your spirit would uh, illuminate these words, giving us understanding to know what this word means. And would you give to us the will and the desire uh, to put these things into practice? And Father, we pray this uh, boldly and confidently through Jesus Christ, our risen, ruling and returning King. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, well, 18 months ago, I read Trent Dalton's novel, Boy Swallows Universe. Have we got anyone out there that's read that novel? Quite a few people have. Uh, well, it is a coming-of-age story, and it's set in the gritty 1980s, heroin-drenched suburbs of Brisbane. That's a little mature warning, uh, M15 plus, uh, by way of its gritty as you read it. But it's described as an exhilarating story of magic and madness, beauty and brutality, joy and heartbreak, and of the power of love to triumph over the darkest of circumstances. Now, you need to understand that it is a big deal that I'm beginning today's sermon by saying that I read a novel. I don't make much time to read novels. And when I do, I actually struggle to get beyond the first couple of chapters and remain enthralled and connected in the story. I love 
Dalton's writing. And while my upbringing was very different from the boys in his story, I felt a deep connection with the Brisbane location and the setting, uh, with many of the 1980s cultural references. Now, not long after reading Boy Swallows Universe, uh, I found out it was going to be adapted for the stage uh, to make a world uh, premiere here in Brisbane. Now, immediately, I knew it was something that I would love to see. But then, COVID. Now, COVID, uh, the dates for the show were moved back multiple times as stages all around the world were shut down. Now, we were able to get tickets earlier on this year, um, uh, but there was still a lot of uncertainty of whether it would go ahead. And since we bought tickets, Brisbane itself, we've had three snap lockdowns. And so September was fast approaching. We got out of our most recent lockdown, and yet New South Wales and Victoria were deep in their COVID crisis. And at any moment, Queensland could be back there again. Last Thursday arrived. The Premier's press conference on Thursday morning did not announce a snap lockdown in southeast Queensland. There were no further updates in the afternoon. We're getting closer and closer to the time that the play would play. And I'm thinking, it's going to happen. There's not going to be a lockdown. And so my Thursday, increasingly, after months, after 18 months of anticipation, my Thursday was just filled with this uncontainable joy and hope of what was to come. We made it to the theatre on time. And after so much waiting, here it was about to happen. I had uh, my wife Rowena seated to my right. Uh, I had Stephen Koo, our guitarist today and executive director at our church, to my left, and the lights dimmed. And I grabbed a leg of Stephen. <laughs> I said, Stephen, it's about to happen. It's about to happen finally. I'm so excited. And also, I think this might even make it into the sermon on Sunday morning. Stay tuned. Watch this space. You know, when we are waiting for something exciting to happen, it can be pretty easy to kind of get caught up in the moment, right? To, to, to be consumed by the expectation of all that that hope holds. Now, good news, Thursday night. I wasn't disappointed with the production. Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, shout out to Lockie Cross, not sure if he's in this service today, he's part of the production team at the Queensland Theatre Company, well done to him and, and countless others for their work. But today, in God's Word, we meet someone who is waiting, in joyful expectation. We meet someone who is waiting for much longer than 18 months for a stage production. And we meet someone who is waiting for something much more important than a theatrical performance. Today, as Mike has said, we begin a new series, Encounter. Nine weeks in Luke's Gospel and we will see the way that different people in Luke's Gospel encounter Jesus. Now, I'm excited about this series uh, as well as studying Luke's gospel, uh, we will be hearing the stories of people from our church who've also encountered Jesus in their life. Now, let's set the scene. If you've got a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 2. And in Luke chapter 2, Jesus is presented at the temple. 
40 days after his birth. Now, Mary and Joseph uh, are doing all that is required in the Jewish law upon the birth of this child. Sacrifices are offered and Jesus is presented to the Lord. And so, into this scene, we meet a man that most commentators suggest is older, significantly older, and has been waiting for Jesus for a long time. His name is Simeon. And I want you to notice this morning three ways in which Simeon's encounter with Jesus has an impact upon his life. Three ways in which Simeon's encounter with Jesus has an impact upon his life. And I hope and see that you will see the ways in which the the impact of this encounter with Jesus can likewise have an impact in each and every single one of our lives. The first thing I want you to notice, number one, is hearts waiting. For those taking notes, number one, hearts waiting. Simeon has been waiting a long time. His heart has been longing for a long time. We read the description of Simeon that he is one who is a faithful follower of God, a faithful Jewish person. Uh, Luke chapter 2, if you've got a Bible, keep it out, keep it open. If you don't, just quickly, if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to gift you with one. And so please see our team out at the info desk after the service. We'd love to put one in your hands, encourage you to read it and answer or try to answer any questions that perhaps uh, come up as you read God's Word. But Luke chapter 2, verse 25, the verses will also be on the screen. It says this, Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was righteous and devout. He was a serious follower of God. He would have been one who is devoted to his religion, devoted to following God, to walk in obedience to God, to, to seek to live for Him. And you see there that he's described as righteous and devout, and he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? He, he's waiting for things to be put right in his nation. Not everything is going okay in Israel in the first century. And here, here he is, a godly man, waiting for the consolation that God has promised in the Old Testament, in the Scriptures, that Israel would be restored now, why does, what is it that drives these insights and this perspective on life? Well, you see in that final phrase there, the Holy Spirit was upon him. He is one who is, is filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is on him and revealing to him and guiding him and enabling him to be godly and enabling him to wait patiently. But more than that, look at what the Spirit reveals, verse 26, it says, "...and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit." that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. This is big. He would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
Now, if you're new to the Bible, uh, we're really glad that you're here. Uh, And as you see the name Christ, you might go, well, yeah, that's Jesus' last name. His parents were Mr. and Mrs. Christ. And he just... That's kind of what we call him. Well, no, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is a title. It's more like Jesus the Christ rather than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Christ. And so who is the Christ? Well, uh, the, the, the Christ is kind of the Greek language uh, for the Hebrew language of Messiah, for the English language of anointed one. So they're kind of effectively Messiah, Christ, anointed one are all suggesting the same person the same title, the same role. Now, there were Christ's, Messiah's, anointed ones that had come before Jesus. In fact, all the kings in Israel's history were Messiahs, were anointed ones, were set apart to rule God's people. And yet, there was this expectation all the way through the Old Testament that there was a king of kings that was to come, a Christ of Christ, a Messiah of Messiahs, an anointed one of anointed ones who would come. And when this Christ would come, all of the hope of the nation was in Him. What a joy it would have been for Simeon to know because of the revelation of God that he would see the Lord's Christ, the Lord's coming King before his life ends. Now, it's important to understand the the connection between what we've read there about how he's waiting for the consolation of Israel in verse 25 and his vision of the Lord's Christ. There's a connection between the consolation that is to come and the one who will bring it the Lord's Christ. Now, we see uh, these two ideas of the the consolation, or comfort is another word you could use for consolation. The the comfort and the Christ comes together beautifully in the book of Isaiah. Uh, In Isaiah, uh, we we learn, uh, in the prophet Isaiah, uh, we learn of, uh, of what God wanted His people to know around 700 B.C., Uh, This was at a time, the prophet Isaiah is writing, after the civil war has taken place, the division of the north and the south um, kingdom, uh, Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and he is writing to the southern kingdom of Judah. And there's a two-fold message throughout the book of Isaiah. There's a message of judgment and there's a message of salvation. There's a message of judgment, that is, the people are in rebellion against God. The people have turned from God. God's people are not treating God like the God and Saviour and ruler and life-giver that He is. They have bowed down to the gods of the nations. They are worshipping the false gods. They're building gods with their own hands and and lying prostrate before them. They have failed to honour God. And so the book of Isaiah, like many of the prophets in the Old Testament, has a strong message of judgment you will be justly judged for your rebellion, your apostasy, for turning away from God if you continue in rebellion. And yet in the midst of judgment, and we, we see this often, and we see this regularly, particularly when we teach on the Old Testament, that when God comes in judgment, He also kindly comes in salvation. And so there's a beautiful thread the whole way through the book of Isaiah, but particularly the second half, there's kind of a a big turning point at chapter 40 and beyond of just this wonderful message of hope. 
this wonderful message of salvation. Those who trust in the Lord, those who fear the Lord and not man, those who trust in the true and living God and turn away from idols, those who wait upon Him, we read in Isaiah 40, those who wait upon the Lord, trusting in His comfort that is to come, they will renew their strength. God is with them and God will restore them. We have word after word of comfort and consolation in Isaiah. But this comfort and consolation and the Lord's anointed, the Christ, come together beautifully in Isaiah 61. Let me read a few verses to you from Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the Christ, the Anointed One. That is who we're referring to right now. And this is good news that there is an Anointed One who will one day come, that is, that is filled with the Spirit, that has the Spirit upon Him, has the Spirit within Him. This is the Christ. And this is good news for the poor. This is good news for the brokenhearted. This is good news for captives. This is good news for prisoners. He's coming to proclaim liberty. He's coming to heal. He's coming to restore. Verse 2, He's coming to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now, the year of the Lord's favour, again, involves judgment and salvation. Look at it. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. The day of the Lord's favour, the day of the Lord is a day when God will come in judgment and vengeance upon wickedness, but God, in His kindness and His grace and His mercy, will come and comfort those who mourn, bring consolation to a nation waiting, longing for restoration. It goes on, verse 3, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. In the beauty, beautiful, what this Christ will bring in His comfort for His people. Beauty instead of ashes. Gladness instead of mourning. Ruins rebuilt and restored. This is a prophetic picture of the consolation and the comfort that faithful Israel are waiting for. And Christ, the Lord's anointed, is the one who brings it. So back to Luke chapter 2, Simeon. You get an insight into his heart, his waiting heart, his longing heart for the wrong in his world to be made right. And there's something in the example of Simeon and his character and who he is that I think teaches us about the right heart posture for us all. 
what, what is it that your heart longs for? Does your heart long for the things in your world, whether on the macro or on the micro, to be put right? Do, do, do we have hearts that long that God would bring justice and that God would bring salvation? Do we long for the, the, the type of consolation that Isaiah speaks about, that Simeon longs for, that Christ brings? Because you can imagine in this older gentleman how Simeon would be feeling. All that he has waited for is about to come to fruition. All that faithful Israel have longed for is about to meet its moment of realization. So this encounter that Simeon has with Jesus, first we see, number one, hearts waiting, which then naturally leads to number two, eyes seeing. Number two, eyes seeing. Simeon's been told by the Lord that he will see the Christ and hear is his moment. Have a look at Luke chapter 2, verse 27. And he came, Simeon came in the Spirit, into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, and before we look at what he said, just a brief aside, isn't that remarkable? Put your Christmas goggles on for a moment. That the Christ, the one who will come to bring consolation to Israel, is a babe in the arms of this waiting prophet. This 40-day-old child held in Simeon's arms is the hope of the world. What remarkable humility that that is how God Himself would come, how the Lord Himself would come as the King who comes in the humility of a baby, born in human form. This is the Christ. Vulnerable, weak, child, dependent, who comes to bring consolation and comfort to God's people. You know, in response to this moment where uh, Simeon has, he's filled by the Spirit, he sees Jesus come in, he picks up Jesus, and, and then it says he blessed God. There's a, an incredible prophetic word, a profound word of blessing. Uh, now, those that have been around churches for a while or perhaps been part of more traditional churches, uh, this next paragraph is called the Nunc Dimittis. Has anyone heard of the Nunc Dimittis before? A few people have heard of it. Uh, well, those who aren't familiar with Latin, uh, Nunc Dimittis comes from the opening line from verse 29 uh, of this traditional hymn that Christians have sung throughout the ages. And it is stunning. Verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. That idea behind now is similar to Isaiah 61 and now, today, is the day of salvation. This is a moment of salvation for Simeon 
Now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Simeon says, I can die in peace because I have seen the Christ. There's a remarkable truth there, not just for Simeon, but for all of us. We can be joyful even in the face of death because we know the source of life. We can be joyful even in the face of death because we know the source of life. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Stop there for a moment. The saving events of what Jesus has even done and will do to bring about salvation haven't even happened yet in the narrative of the Gospels. And yet Simeon can say, Because I've seen Jesus, I see salvation. Because I've seen Christ, I can see comfort and consolation. Jesus is the source of the salvation that God is offering, not just to Israel, but to all who would call upon His name. Look at verse 31. For my eyes, verse 30, have seen your salvation, verse 31, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. That is good news. This is for all people. It's not just for Israel. It's for their glory, the coming of the Christ. It's for their good. It's for their sake. But there's a light for revelation to the Gentiles. This is massive. You know, the the Jews, uh, God's people, the Hebrews, the descendants of Abraham, these were those who were called out of the nations to be God's people. And while they were supposed to, in the Old Testament, be a light to the nations, they failed to be a light to the nations, and yet God hasn't forgotten the nations. God hasn't forgotten the the Hebrews, the nation of Israel, all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether we're Jewish or Gentile, whatever our background, all who call upon His name will be saved. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light for the world. He shines in the midst of darkness and He offers His light. He offers His life and He offers His love. Now, hopefully, as you read and reread and maybe even sing different versions of the Nunc Dimittis there from verse 29 to 32, you can get a a sense of the incredible wonder that Simeon would have felt as he held this child within his arms and said these profound words of all that this child brings with him. All his hope and all his expectation has been realized now that he sees the Christ. Uh, well, it's Father's Day, and so it's worthwhile mentioning my children uh, another time. Um, and I've got three of them. And uh, Sam, Tom, Beth, 12, 10, 7. Uh, and I learn different things from each of my children. Um, and I love learning from my children. Uh, it is good for my humility. Uh, it is a, a good opportunity for depth of relationship. Uh, but my daughter, Beth, she's seven years old. And From the simplest things to the most profound things, the way that she sees the world is colourful. And the way that she sees the world is awe and wonder, joy and delight. She teaches me how to see the world through that lens. 
how to see the world and be amazed by wonderful things. But you don't have to be seven to see the world with wonder. Simeon certainly wasn't seven. Wonder, childlike wonder is not just for children. In fact, Jesus later in the gospel says that receiving Jesus and receiving the kingdom of God must be done in a childlike, dependent type of way. And I'd suggest, and Simeon is a wonderful example for us this morning, that likewise, seeing with childlike wonder, beholding beauty, enjoying colour, delighting in God. You see, Simeon sees that Jesus is the answer to his deepest longings. And so it fills him with joy and fills him with wonder. Do you know that? Jesus is the answer to our deepest longings. In Him there is light, in Him there is glory, in Him there is salvation. If you have seen Jesus, now we may not have the same opportunity that Simeon and all those who will read about in Luke's Gospel to encounter Jesus in the flesh, in front of them, in their arms, whatever their contact is with Jesus and yet through Scripture, we learn from their encounters We learn from what God has revealed about His Son, the Lord Jesus, in Scripture. And so while we may not physically see Jesus in the way those in the first century saw Jesus, if we see Jesus as revealed to us in the Scriptures, illuminated by the Holy Spirit, we too have seen the Lord's salvation. Can you see Jesus? Do you know the Lord's salvation? You know, perhaps this morning, as we gather together, you are looking, you are longing, you are waiting for something, for some type of saviour. You're looking in different places to try to find some level of satisfaction for the longings within your soul. And yet, perhaps some of the places that you're looking keep falling short, keep falling short, lead to disappointment and maybe even despair. It was C.S. Lewis who said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. You know, sometimes those unfulfilled hopes and expectations, the places that we place our hearts in, the the things that we gaze upon with our eyes, are often places we are turning to, to look for salvation to look for rescue from our current situation, whether we look at substances, whether we look at experiences, whether we look at relationships, whether we look at possessions. Some of those things are good and appropriate and yet when we put them in an, appropriate, an inappropriate position as if they're to satisfy our deepest longings, it'll always fall short. Look, if you're not yet a believer here, if you're not a Christian, we just want to say we're really glad that you're here and we hope and trust that you'll feel welcome every week. Keep coming back. Keep meeting this Jesus. We pray that you'll encounter Jesus. We're not going to twist your arm and make you become a Christian overnight or anything like that. But let me urge you today to see that Jesus is the answer to your deepest longings. That may not quite make sense yet, but I believe that to be true. And I believe that that's what the Scriptures, God's Word teaches, is that Jesus is the answer to your deepest longings. Jesus brings 
the salvation that we all actually need, we desperately need. Jesus is the answer to our deepest longings and so let us all fix our eyes upon him and see the salvation that he brings. Number one, we've considered hearts waiting. Number two, we've considered eyes seeing. And the third and final one is, number three, souls piercing. Now, in the final uh, paragraph, after the nunc dimittis, after that, uh, that word of blessing, of prophecy from Simeon, uh, with this little interaction that we have, particularly with Mary, Jesus' mother, we can see and we can learn and discern that not all will go well. But even in this interaction, we get a hint at how the Christ's salvation will be won for all who believe in Him. Have a look at it with me, verse 33. Chapter 2, verse 33 says, uh, And Jesus' father and his mother marveled at what was said about Him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The coming of Jesus will bring division. The coming of Jesus will bring pain. Identifying with Jesus will bring pain. Many will reject Jesus. You know, in the parentheses there in verse 35, Mary, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. You know, already in the next interaction, we, we, we see by the end of Luke 2, there's already worries kind of in Mary's life because of the presence of the Christ in her household. And by the end of the Gospels, we'll know the profound impact and heartbreak and piercing through her soul of what takes place at the hands of evildoers to her son. You know, by the end of Luke's gospel, we'll see Jesus. And we'll see that Jesus, while Mary's soul will be pierced, we see that Jesus' soul in the garden of Gethsemane is filled with anguish and sorrow at the thought of what he is about to do at the cross. And then on the cross, we see that Jesus is pierced with nails in his hands and nails in his feet. He has a spear into his soul, uh, his side. Jesus' soul is anguished. His side and his hands are pierced. He will go to the cross. This will be crushing Mary, the mother of Jesus. And yet he does it as part of his mission, as the anointed one of Isaiah 61 as part of His work as the Lord's Christ who comes to bring consolation to Israel, who comes to shine light to the nations. He comes to bring comfort. He comes to bring salvation. He comes to bring redemption. You see, it is good news that Simeon got to meet Jesus because Simeon meeting Jesus was Simeon meeting God's rescue plan in the flesh. You see, Jesus, as you learn about Him throughout Luke's Gospel, He'll be one, verse 52, who increased in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and favour with man. He's, He's one who will grow. He's one who will live a life without sin. He lives a life without blemish, a perfect life. He's the only one of whom it can be said He was without sin. The biggest difference between us and Jesus is He always got it right and we often don't. 
We fall short of God's glory. We fail to honor God as God. We fail to love our neighbor as ourselves. And yet Jesus was perfect in every way. Jesus was perfect in his character, perfect in his devotion, perfect in his righteousness. And so Jesus, the perfect one, has lived on behalf of we who are sinners, who recognize the salvation that is found in him. But more than that, as he goes to the cross, as his soul is in anguish, as his side and his hands are pierced, we see that he is dying the death that we deserve for our sin, for our rebellion. He is doing that for our salvation. He's doing that for our redemption. He's doing that for our comfort. He's doing that for our consolation. This is good news of great joy for all people. And more than that, death could not hold him down. Jesus rose triumphantly from the dead. He is alive and he gives new life, resurrection life to all who would but trust in him. Simeon catches a glimpse of the resurrection life that is offered by the Christ. But we are in an even more privileged position that if Simeon can go to the grave having peace, knowing he has seen the salvation and the Savior, we can have even greater confidence than Simeon. As those who stand this side of the perfect life, the sacrificial death and the triumphant resurrection of Jesus, we can have great confidence in what he has won on our behalf. So invite the band out the front. This morning, we have seen a heart that is waiting for the coming of the Christ. We have learned of eyes that can see the salvation of God as we see the Christ. And we've caught a glimpse of souls piercing and the the grief that will come by the end of this gospel and what it would take for Jesus to achieve salvation for all who believe in Him. I want to encourage every single one of us to consider how we respond, not only to this encounter that Simeon had, but to prepare our hearts for all that is to come in the coming months in this series. Let me urge you from today, see Jesus. See the salvation that he brings. See that Jesus is the answer to your soul's deepest longings. But as we continue to encounter Jesus, let's continue to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives. That each of us, whether we've been religious background or irreligious background, whether we claim to be Christian or not, that each of us would consider what difference this Jesus will make to our lives today. Would you come? Would you give yourself to learning? Would you give yourself to encountering Jesus in His Word throughout this series and praying that God would change you? And here's the thing, at City on a Hill, you've already heard it this morning, but we're a church that are on about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. You see, once you've known Jesus and encountered Him, we ought, not be, we ought be people who can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard in Jesus. Knowing Jesus leads to making Jesus known. And so, brothers and sisters, let me invite you to not only encounter Jesus for yourself, but to invite others to encounter Jesus. Whether they come to church or not, that through your life, through your words, through your witness, you would make the most of the opportunities that God will give you. You pray for opportunities. God will give you opportunities. Pray that He would give you courage 
to stand boldly, to make Christ known, to point to the salvation and the hope that you have in Him. And let's pray that God would work miraculously, that many through this series, as this word goes out, through our lives will be able to encounter Jesus for themselves. Let's pray big, bold and audacious prayers to that end. Would, Would you stand with me as we pray right now? Our gracious God and and loving Heavenly Father, we we want to know Jesus better. We want to encounter Him in Your Word, and we need Your Holy Spirit to illuminate that Word. And would You work powerfully in every single one of us here? Father, for those of us that have perhaps been followers of Jesus for a long time, like Simeon, or those of us that have only more recently started to follow Jesus, or those of us who may not even yet know Jesus, Father, would You meet us? Would we meet Jesus? And Father, would You change every single one of us in response to what we hear from Your Word? That like Simeon, uh, we would be a people who, who, who glory in and wonder in and rejoice in the salvation that the Christ has accomplished for us. And Father, we ask that as we reflect upon how wonderful it is that Jesus has not only come as a little one, but has gone to the cross, has lived our life, has died our death, has been raised again, Father, as those who have been saved as those who have encountered your goodness to us in Christ, would you use us, would you empower us that, that our words, that our witness, that our lives, that our church, that our families, that our gospel communities, that we all would be a people that encourage others to encounter Jesus too. Lord, we pray that you would save many over the next couple of months. Um, give us boldness to pray for people that we've stopped praying for. Give us boldness to pray that, that you would even use us in your task of reaching people and, and connecting them to the glorious news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we, we ask big things and bold things, and yet we know that you can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And so work powerfully among us, we pray, in his name, for your glory, for our joy. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, Or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.